to Nerdy for 30, a half-hour show for shooting the shit and nerding out about the things we watched this week. My name is Kevin Bauer. With me, as always, is my good friend, my co-host, Tim Kack. Tim, how you doing? I'm doing well, Kevin. I'm excited to talk about this movie. I thought it looked really badass on the trailer. It's like free on Amazon Prime right now. It's got Michael B. Jordan in it. So how bad could it possibly be? Uh, I got to admit, though, this stretches the the boundaries of what I would call nerdy as it's just like a gritty Tom Clancy book. But I don't know. Readings for nerds. This was a book once like that kind of fits, right? Yeah, for sure. And also investigating Tom Clancy. Seems like a huge nerd. His Wikipedia page uh, in the first like minute that I was on there went out of its way to describe how thick his glasses were. Um, (laughs) As a person with bad vision, I relate, Tom. I'm right there with you. So as Tim alluded to today, we're talking about the movie Without Remorse. If you haven't heard of it, you haven't been on Amazon in the past three months. (laughs) They have been promoting this movie like crazy. Uh, Maybe it's my algorithm. I think I, I feel like I've seen it on the tops of taxi cabs and the little ads and stuff that are there. I, it's just they've been going all out on this movie to get it into people's homes. Tim, do you think it was worth it? Do you think it's worth entering most people's homes? I uh, I enjoyed it. And as a free movie on Prime, I think it's great. If I paid to see this in theaters, I think I'd have way more criticisms of it. But as just a nice, pleasant surprise from Amazon, who hasn't really given me anything other than Invincible, I was pleasantly surprised to see this movie and I enjoyed it for what it was. And it was it was great. It was it was good. I had a good time. I like these kinds of movies. I did want to mention I saw uh, doing a little bit of digging on this, that this film has been a tough one to make. It sounds like since 1993, when the novel came out, they've been trying to make this movie. And Tom Clancy has a bunch of these books. He's been trying to make these. I saw some some different names thrown around for it. Keanu Reeves, Tom Hardy. And it's just been in developmental hell for 20 years is the, is the terminology I've been seeing on this. So to hand it back to you, Kevin, is it worth the 20 years of, of turmoil to give us this movie with Michael B. Jordan as our lead? No, uh, <laughs> not at all. This is not a movie for me. I, I, <laughs> I shudder to think of what watching this has done to my algorithm because the entire time I'm watching this, it's like, this is just not in my wheelhouse at all. It kind of <laughs> makes sense that it's been baking for 20 years because this thing is overcooked. <laughs> <laughs> what about this? Is it the genre in general? Do you not like these kinds of war movies or action movies like this? That could definitely be a hurdle. I I struggled to even call this an action movie. It's definitely a war movie. It's definitely like a modern war movie. It reminds me of footage that I've seen online of people playing um, like Call of Duty, which again is not, it's not my thing. So I recognize in the same way, this is probably how other people feel when they watch superhero movies where stuff's happening and they're like not tracking who the characters are and what everybody can do. I feel the exact same way when I'm watching this. I'm like, okay, and who is that? Okay, and why are we, we're in Russia now? When did, why are we in Russia? I just have a hard time following it. I I agree. And I think it's probably why I thought this movie doesn't fit into what I would consider super nerdy fast and furious. I feel like is a very self-aware franchise 
And some of the things they do are unrealistic and it's kind of a joke and they're in on the joke and they're giving their audience what they want. And I think that's kind of what nerd culture is, right? Even these Marvel movies, we've been conditioned that I'm going to cry when somebody dies. But even in these intense war moments, they're still making jokes. They're still cracking quips or like whipping out, (laughs) whipping out turns a phrase and making fun of each other and being like snarky assholes and making jokes and kind of breaking the fourth wall a little bit. It's just, it's just those movies are very self-aware and this is now another genre of movie and war movies in general take themselves way more seriously. There is no humor in this. It is Michael B. Jordan (laughs) on a vendetta to get revenge for the death of his pregnant wife, which is already just a lot to have to deal with Uh, a real downer. Not great. It tore me up, man. And real quick, just in case anyone's tuning into this, you haven't watched the movie, you just want to hear us riff about it. I'll give you a quick recap of the plot. When John Kelly's pregnant wife and Navy SEAL squad mates are assassinated following an overseas mission gone right, it sets him down a dark path of international intrigue as he shakes down the United States and Russian governments for answers and revenge. Um, Yeah, Michael B. Jordan plays John Kelly. His pregnant wife we get a scene we get really yeah like maybe one two scenes with them together um before she's gunned down in her sleep it's it really it hurt to watch (laughs) uh it brought me to the verge of tears and then when we're seeing him later on in the movie he uh has a couple moments where he imagines being with her again and it's just or like remembers times when they were together and Oh, it really, it really wrecked me. But in a way that felt emotionally manipulative, like it didn't feel she got fridged. There's a term for this. Right. Anytime your protagonist's significant other disproportionately happens when the protagonist is male and their significant other is a female. But anytime that significant other is killed strictly to motivate the protagonist, it's called fridging. And uh, she totally got fridged. Do you remember the origin? The nerdy origin of this is, I believe, a Green Lantern comic where he is. starts dating this woman and she ends up being killed and he finds her body in a fridge. And that's purely to motivate his combat with the bad guy, like to give him a reason to fight this bad guy. It's just showing disproportionate force that happens to female characters in these comics and objectifies them in that way. And it's just, I, that was actually one of the first comics I ever read in my entire life. I was super young and I was like, what the fuck just happened? So I have a a personal connection to that. I, I, and I think John wick or, or a movie like that, where they fridge the dog and then he just goes on this rampage. I don't know. It comes across a little differently for me. That's just a little more goofy or just pregnant wife is just so it's just so much it's too it's too real for me i don't like it i don't need it but then he is just on a rampage the whole time i really liked some of the action in this though and some of it i was i was jealous of not thinking of i mean his attack even the way he handles things in the house is interesting right like his when they kill his wife he's in the basement These people invade his home. They shoot his wife in the bed. He comes upstairs. He has his gun in the basement already. I'm picturing this house is like full of guns. He is. Yeah. Which is the kind of thing that you bring as a soldier. You bring to the real world. You're still sleeping like you could be attacked at any moment, even though I'm sure he doesn't actually think that one of the things that stood out to me 
in this movie was the second he sees somebody in his house, he shoots that person. Yeah. Instantly. There is the same thought. There's no hesitation. There's no whatever. I (laughs) one time when I was a kid, my parents bought my grandparents a new DVD player. And it was like when DVDs were new and cool. So my parent, my grandparents were out of town for something. And we went over there, I think, in like the middle of the night because they were out of town for the night, set up the DVD player. And that's all I think about when I see these home invasion things <laughs> is if grandma and grandpa had gotten home, we're setting up their new DVD player. And my grandpa just shoots us all <laughs> like how horrible that would be. The confidence to see someone in your house and just murder them immediately. I don't know if I would ever possess that, you know, unless I knew for sure that this guy was a bad guy. I don't know if I could ever just just pull the trigger on somebody. What if they were giving him a new DVD player? Yeah, he goes right. I I interpreted that as coming out of him being a Navy SEAL, like a special ops soldier. They did not explicitly address that. But um, the moment that the power gets cut, the evil villains, the like Russian hitmen cut the power to John Kelly's house and he immediately grabs a gun. He is like, this is not a power outage. As I would think. Yeah. Uh, just immediately grabs the gun and the flashlight. I've never assumed if the power's gone out, I've never assumed that somebody cut the power to my house. It's a lot. This guy goes to 11 instantly and is yeah. a bad. And they've got some great quips in this where like early on, they're like, oh, are you a wise ass? No, I'm the wise ass. He's the badass. And it's just like guy thumbs his finger. And Michael B. Jordan. And they do everything uh, in their power to show that there are some very cool scenes in this where he's like torching the car. There's some moments in this that I think are maybe a little unique when he's like interrogating that guy in the flaming car. And that guy says, I'm not telling you anything. And he just immediately shoots him in the knee. And I always Mm -hmm. wondered why that doesn't happen more in movies. If I was really trying to interrogate somebody, that's the first I would shoot them so fast. And I feel like that's a thing that doesn't happen in action movies. Be like, answer the question. No, bam, it goes. There goes your foot. Okay, I'm going to ask you again. Nope. There goes your other foot. Okay, we're just working our way up the body. Yeah. (laughs) If I'm being a sadistic monster, just pulling out all the stops. I don't understand why these guys aren't just like blowing fingers off of people more. I mean, that's the thing that that's the thing that really works here is that you fully believe Michael B. Jordan as this guy. And when he's doing the interrogation scenes, I feel like one of the tropes you run into with a lot of movies, with the heroes trying to do an interrogation is that the hero has this moral code that they're not going to break with John Kelly. It's like, yeah, he you're going to die. You're not going to make it out of this interrogation scene. There's a scene where he interrogates Jamie Bell, who plays like this CIA agent that, you know, the whole movie you think is bad. It turns out maybe he's not that bad in the end, but like he's got him in a chokehold up against a wall and you fully think he might kill him. It's great. Like there's not many actors that can pull off a thing where you really, truly believe that he could just kill them and the movie could keep going. 100%. Michael B. Jordan is so good. He's such a good actor and he's so good in this and he brings an intensity to it immediately. That is like, I will kill anybody. It's fine. I'm rooting for him the whole time. I mean, maybe that's why fridging is such a trope, which is like they killed someone I love. It gives the hero an excuse to be the hero, but also kill people, which is not necessarily a heroic action. But I'm on board with all of the all the violence that Michael B. Jordan does. I'm like, hell yeah, man, go get it. Choke this guy out. Another cool thing in this that I think is kind of a Tom Clancyism is all of these red herrings that 
oh, this CIA guy, he's definitely the bad guy. And early on, I'm thinking, oh, this guy is the bad guy. And then after a moment, I'm like, oh, this is definitely a red herring. There's no way this is the this is the main bad guy. It's not that simple. And it ends up not being that simple. It ends up being somebody higher up. And we kind of see a redemptive arc for the CIA guy. He's just an asshole. But that seems like a Tom Clancyism, the fog of war, all this kinds of stuff going on. The other thing that I think is also kind of a Tom Clancyism in these kind of war movies is the deification of or the elevation of the soldier as opposed to the system in place. The system interesting in place is imperfect. That's corrupt. The government, they're corrupt. The higher ups, they can be corrupt. But the integrity of the people on the ground who are actually laying their lives on the line is never questioned. And that's something that I think is cool. I mean, it, maybe it's kind of, you know, kind of fits the the soldier narrative. And I'm sure that's the kind of the narrative that, that the army would prefer in general. But it's also the more compelling story, right? All of these guys on the ground, they're laying their lives on the line. There's a guy in an office who doesn't understand what it's like. They can't possibly understand what it's like to actually be in combat. And I, he tells all these stories and there's all these books of these soldiers going above and beyond the call of duty, despite their the people up at the top trying to stop them or get in their way. I feel like that's the premise of every cop movie I've ever seen, too. It's yeah. like the people that are actually on the ground working the street. They know what it's really like in you suits sitting up there in your ivory towers. You have no idea what it's like in the real world. Uh, they play with that motif a lot in the movie with referring to kings and pawns, which actually leads me directly into my when did you know? Tim, when did you know that John Kelly was obsessed with chess? <laughs> like this, obsessed. This stood out to me too. One point early on in the movie, they're at the house, his house, I'm guessing, or somebody's a family event. These kids are playing chess. He's walking by. He makes a move on the chessboard for them. And that sets up chess analogies for the rest of the movie. He's constantly yeah. talking about pawns and kings and kings and pawns. And it's all the kind of the same stuff over and over again. Like the only things he mentions are pawns and kings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hard because it would be it would be self-parody immediately if in these analogies he starts talking about and then, you know, you got the CIA and they're like the bishops and they can only move diagonally. <laughs> so what we got to do is we got to get the kings to hang back while the bishops are running interference. Like you can't do that. But also by the same token, you're right. He literally only ever references pawns and kings. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like I to think, think he's playing checkers. <laughs> I think he's referring to checkers. checkers. <laughs> This is the rare this is the rare action star who's playing checkers when everyone else is playing chess. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, movie's so much better if in that scene where he moves the kid's chess piece, he immediately goes, King me. <laughs> I was picturing Michael B. Jordan walking away after that and then the kid being like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like taking the piece back. Or or the girl immediately like seizing his pawn and just like it being a terrible chess move. Yeah. <laughs> do you think it's really stood out for me to me i'm i'm curious because we we think about this stuff a lot and like writing and we're working on scripts and stuff would it make sense for him to be talking about pawns and kings without showing us that he has seen a chessboard before do they need the moment where he moves the piece in order for him to talk about 
chess throughout? No, not at all. <laughs> it makes it corny. It works if he doesn't do the chess scene. The fact they included that is like, it immediately made it. It's so unrealistic. It immediately took it into genre parody. Because anyone can just talk about pawn. We're all pawns. Like saying we're pawns in that is just colloquial lang. It's it's a terms that everybody uses outside of chess. It's a real term for a real. It's a real word that people use every day. People are pawns of the system all the time. I don't know if we need to see him playing chess just so we can learn another word, which is king. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that definitely stood out for me. That's it. That's a good one, Kevin. It felt like a classic book trope, too, where the main character of a book, like there's so many of these books that are escapism for the readers. And especially in things like this, where it's like just a just a male military fantasy where they make the protagonist amazing at everything. So it's like this guy can talk his way into any situation. Also, he's super ripped. His house, it's cool. His wife She's cool too. Also, he's a master chess player. And guess what? His friends say he's a badass. Like, it's too much. He's a Mary Sue. People complain about like the concept. Everybody said Ray from Star Wars was a Mary Sue because she was a woman that held a lightsaber. Meanwhile, John Kelly's running around and oh my God. It's just it it stretches belief. Yeah, what's the male equivalent of a Mary Sue? Is it just like white privilege? Or <laughs> it's just John Kelly. We're just we should just call start calling it John Kelly's. Specifically, I think it's probably I've never seen any of the Jack Ryan stuff, but in researching this movie a little bit, I found out that this is part of the the Clancy verse or the Ryan verse, as it's called, with uh, or Jack Ryan. These fucking names, man. And I think Jack Ryan is probably, from what I've heard about, more of the uh, more of the male Mary Sue, where he's like super good at everything, super smart, super strong, super powerful, super good at shooting. Also, at one point, apparently Jack Ryan becomes the president. I mean, fucking come on. <laughs> That's yeah, that feels like another Clancyism is like it seems like a basic writing thing of of Da Vinci Code caliber writing of just my character. I mean, <laughs> my main character's perfect. There's no flaws with him. He's the best guy ever. Uh he's he's great at everything. I do like the idea in the it's usually a good equalizer is to show the the protagonist using his brains instead of his brawn. This John Kelly has both, so don't worry about <laughs> about it. <laughs> but they do this chess thing, and then he makes, I would say, intelligent moves throughout the thing where people he just shows you some unique problem solving, I think, mm-hmm. in addition to also being physically jacked. So I don't know if it really <laughs> I don't know if I leave this movie with the impression that I could do this, which I think you generally get if the main character is smart if that makes sense right if you're watching i mean the example that comes to mind for me is mulan right i haven't seen the new movie but i heard that was one of the critiques was like in the cartoon mulan is is this girl in this male army and the way she stands out and and rises above them is by using her superior intellect to figure this out so it doesn't matter what you're born with with your physical gifts if you're smart enough and you work hard you can overcome anything and that humanizes her character right i heard that was lacking in the movie but John Kelly isn't humanized by his intellect because he's also good at every other thing. 
So he's super smart and he's also super jacked and he's also the best fighter and just great at everything and all of that stuff. It's actually the same exact problem because, yeah, in the original Mulan, it was the point was that anybody could do this. Like she was just like anybody else, but she decided to stand up. And in the new movie is that she was born special. She was basically born with these abilities. And I kind of get the impression that same deal with John Kelly. It seems like he's just like. Yeah, this this classic book protagonist where it's like, okay, so we're starting in media res. This character, he's already invincible. Now we're going to take him on a joyride. Exactly. Kevin, when did you know that Without Remorse is part of the extended Parks and Rec cinematic universe? Oh, my God, dude. That was amazing. (laughs) Shout out to Perd Happily. Perd. Have you heard Perd? Oh my god. Perd happily makes a cameo in this and I it made me so happy. <laughs> it's, it always it's wonderful to see him. I'm so happy this dude's still out there getting work. He was in so many things as like a talking head pre-Parks and Rec. I was really worried that his Parks and Rec work would screen him out of any future opportunities like that and god i was so thrilled to see him here so where in the parks and rec universe does he take place is it before the parks and rec storylines is it during parks and rec is it before is this some early bird happily work and then he ended up in this small he was Mm -hmm. disgraced and ended up in this small town after like a brian williams type scandal where do you think this falls for bird happily's uh, career trajectory I think this is late in the game for Purd. I think this is post the Purd Pulse Court. Um, I think this, you know, the Purple's Court yeah. really took off on basic cable and went into syndication and uh, afforded him this position where, like, he became enough of a public figure that they're bringing him in as a talking head for major political issues. The people want to know what Purd thinks. <laughs> I'm not positive, but this entire movie could have taken place in Indiana and uh, they needed to bring Purd happily in as like a, the Indiana, <laughs> like their local rep. The casting makes me think of my first beef, which is Brett Gilman as the bad guy. Yeah. What? As what? soon as we saw him in the movie, Lauren, we saw like just the little window through a ski mask of his eyes and his nose. And Lauren was like, is that? Brett Gelman? And I was like, there's absolutely, I guarantee you, there is no way that is Brett Gelman. They brought him in for one line. (laughs) He's such a weird actor. He's such a unique actor to me in that he's, he is funny, but I also always think he's creepy. Yeah. Oh, big time. He's he just I feel like he makes women uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm not projecting that onto <laughs> Brett Gelman, but on film and these characters he's playing. Maybe those roles are the ones that stand out for me. And that's what I, I see when I think of him is I think of kind of like a sad schmuck who makes women uncomfortable and makes jokes and is kind of goofy. I don't take him seriously as a villain at all. And it really took me out of an otherwise very straight laced, very grounded movie the idea of casting Brett Gelman in the role of maybe they set him up to maybe be the kingpin of all of the evil going on in this. And that was another red flag for me. It took me out of it. Like, there's no way Brett Gelman is the mastermind behind this evil adventure. There's no way he is. They also specifically set him up to be 
the Russian Michael B. Jordan. They set him up to be the Russian version of John Kelly. And you're just watching Michael B. Jordan in this movie and you're like, Brett Gelman is the Russian John Kelly? There's no... There, sorry, Brett. But Michael B. Jordan is a, is a god amongst men. This dude's ripped out of his mind. And he's clearly the best there is. And then Brett fucking Gelman is sitting there in a chair. He doesn't even stand. He we watch him through a window. He sits and then he blows himself up and like, cool, that's Brett Gelman. Great. This is cool. But even the fraction of a second where we're like, oh, this is the bet when they pull him up on like the FBI screen. He's like, oh, yeah, that's him. I was like, oh, this isn't this. I don't care about this movie as much anymore. I'm sorry. Brett. No way. Nothing would make me happier. We never saw him without a shirt on, but nothing would make me happier than if <laughs> Brett Gelman got in stupid good shape for this movie. Absolutely fucking ripped out of his mind. I've always thought it'd be really funny for like a team of comedians. If like, you know, Seth Rogen, Michael Sarah, that whole squad for a movie, they all got in straight up marvel superhero shape for a movie that did not otherwise require it <laughs> i've always thought that'd be so fun they just go out of their way to get shredded for a movie where they're still just playing you know normal dudes it's like mac on always sunny did you ever see that oh yeah it was great he just I gained see that he just gained like 40 pounds for one season of always sunny and then the next season he's like i'm just gonna get super jacked and then just the whole season he's just ripped like superhero ripped the whole time <laughs> it seems great so, speaking of be that fun. that takes me that takes me to my first uh my thief michael b jordan has the ideal male body yeah it's not realistic but it is ideal it's crazy he's got like he's just like I, I thought the same thing when i was watching the creed movies he's like ripped but he's not like too bulky like he's got pecs that are great but they're not verging on being like man boobs it's just god damn it i he's he should be like the model for everybody else trying to get in superhero shape he's michael b jordan just seems like the coolest coolest dude ever I, I love Michael B. Jordan. I'll watch anything he's in. He's such a good actor. Incredibly handsome. Peak physical condition. I heard he's like into anime. <laughs> like kind of a nerd. Kind of a nerd. I feel like he's a good. I feel like he's a cool hang. I'm just all in on Michael B. Jordan. I mean, God, they got to bring him back into Marvel somehow. Like we just we just need more Michael B. Jordan and stuff. Damn, dude. What do you think his anime is? What do you think his favorite anime series is? <laughs> Do you think he's a Dragon Ball Z guy? Oh, he definitely is a Dragon Ball Z guy. He definitely is a Dragon Ball Z guy. I'm trying to think. He's definitely watching My Hero Academia for sure. Oh, yeah. He's into that. He's definitely caught up and just, seem, just seems like a great hang. I'm just I'm just all I'm, I'm definitely fanboying over Michael B. Jordan. He's 100 percent the thief of this whole thing. I get why he wants wanted to make this movie. He looks awesome. And my, my biggest takeaway from this movie is just Michael B. Jordan's awesome. That's pretty much my whole takeaway from this. Yeah. I had a couple other thieves, much lighter thieves after Michael B. Jordan. I think they make some. They, there's a couple like cool choices in this choreography wise. I think they make some cool choices and some cool stunts. There's like a shot where the plane's sinking and Michael B. Jordan goes up and gets a little bit of air from that. Like there's a small air bubble and he sucks the air in. That was super cool. The choreography cool. in his prison cell is awesome. When the bat, when oh these like God. 
when the guards are coming in and he's wrapping his hand up and he's flooding the sink and he's getting water all over. And he's putting water on himself. So he's slippery and he's punching himself in the head and he's psyching himself up. I was watching that thinking there aren't that many actors that I could watch do this. That was yeah. genuinely my thought is I don't think there are that many guys that I would be convinced watching on screen that this is actually happening. It's all his like creed training, like punching him, like physically hurting himself to psych himself up for this fight. Awesome. So cool. I mean, the car scenes create. There's just they, there's a lot of little things in this that are awesome. They kind of all go back to Michael B. Jordan. There's some other interesting phrasing that I think is cool. And maybe this is a Tom Clancyism too, but there's, they refer to people Michael B. Jordan had killed as toe tags, which is yeah fun slang. And it took me a second to figure out what they were talking about. They talk to one of the guys who's dying. And the first question they ask him is, do you have any kids? And that struck me as a really, it sounds like the kind of thing a soldier would. That's like the number one question to ask if your friend's dying yeah. and you're cutting right to the point. You ask, do you have any kids? There's these little moments in there that seem really well thought out. And I wouldn't be surprised if all of these are in this book that I have not read. It was super good. Those little tiny details, which were fascinating because um, I mean, now the screenplay could have been written by fucking who knows. But uh, I was looking at it and surely thinking Tom Clancy had some kind of military background. No, just an insurance salesman. Dude sold insurance, <laughs> was a military enthusiast, didn't serve at all. That's very fat. I mean, he must have talked to he must talk to a lot of a lot of these military guys because it seems like some of this stuff, some of these little details seem like they have to come from somewhere to me. It feels like there's a lot of little accuracies. There's a bunch of little things that seem very creative. There's there's a bunch of little creative things in this movie that I really like. I don't know if it's enough to make this movie a must see for anybody. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would encourage people to pay for this movie. But there's enough here that I think it's intriguing. And especially if, you know, if you're just watching on, you're just looking for something to watch. Don't want to pay any money. You got Prime. I check it out. I think it's a cool action movie. Yeah, I got a, I do. I have a beef I'd like to list. All these names suck. All the names (laughs) suck. John Kelly. Then later he's John Clark. There's Jack Ryan. It's Tom, even Tom Clancy. Everything's so fucking generic. They're boring white guy names. And I think it's cool. I don't I don't know enough about this, but I think it's cool that Michael B. Jordan is the star of this. I don't think that's something that Tom Clancy was necessarily envisioning, but it's the right choice as far as an actor. I mean, he he's better than anybody else could have been for this. I mean, he's he's amazing. And and it's nice that this is a more diverse story from an author who I don't think necessarily prioritizes that. But as a movie, I think that's great. And I'm and I love it. (laughs) It's awesome. Another uh, thief, somebody that I'm really glad is in the movie. Uh, while we're talking casting, Jodie Turner Smith was so good in this. Uh, she played Greer, Karen Greer, his like military best friend. Really super fucking glad they didn't make any kind of like a romantic connection between them. Every yes. single time they were kind of broing out. I was so worried that it was going to turn into a romantic thing. Never did. Top marks. Love it. They're just like two pals that came up in the military, really respect each other and know each other's skill sets. And it's dope it's crazy to see a female seal be the commanding officer for a unit that has a super stud like michael b jordan in it early on he saves her ass when she falls under something and i was kind of 
okay, this can't be it. But then later on, she just kills a guy. He's like racing to save her. And by the time he gets there, she's already killed this guy and and like done. She has badass moments and is not just some damsel in distress to be rescued. I think that's very cool. And that's the kind of that's kind of woke shit we need in movies. I'm glad we can take a book written 30 years ago and throw that stuff on it and just and make it feel modern and, and, and good. That's Look, cool, man. You know, if this was made in 1993, that wouldn't have been in there. <laughs> I thought it was great. It would have been Keanu Reeves talking to uh, uh, Tom Hardy over and over <laughs> again about about the military and all their toe tags. Let's wrap it up with some reckless speculation, Kevin. All right. This, in my mind, clearly set up for a sequel. You got any uh, reckless speculation on what that might look like? Yeah, so I did. I I accidentally revealed to myself that apparently the sequel to this is Rainbow Six, which I've heard of in video games and stuff. I actually, one year for my birthday, uh, got Rainbow Six for the Nintendo GameCube. And then I think it was like rated M. And it was like the box, the rating for it said that it contained gore. And my mom was like, oh, absolutely not. So we took it back to EB Games and exchanged it for probably fucking like super Mario sunshine or Pikmin or something. So I've never, I don't have any, I don't have any basis of where rainbow six is going to go. I'm assuming John Kelly's going to be the pawn, but this time he's the one manipulating the Kings. <laughs> what do you think? What's happening next to him? I think he's going to move his knight uh, to cut off some of the bishops potentially. No, maybe, maybe, he, maybe he learns some new terms for chess. Oh my God. What if he just learns one more term <laughs> and that's sprinkled in throughout? I don't know what's going on with Jack Ryan, which is uh, Jim Halpert's TV series on Amazon. They take place in the same universe. This has to eventually build to them being together. Ah, shit. Yeah, I bet you're right. Jack Ryan needs to show up in the next movie or it makes way more sense. Transitioning a TV character to a movie seems weird, but it makes a ton of sense for me for Jack Ryan to be on a mission. Need help. Who's available? Uh, John, I can't even remember these guys' names. (laughs) The names are so generic. (laughs) Jim Halpert goes on a mission. He's in trouble. Who can he turn to? A guy who went ghost and has been underground forever. John Kelly, Michael B. Jordan. That make that like writes itself for me. And Rainbow Six. It sounds like it's just a bunch of military guys kicking ass. I don't know. (laughs) That'd be. It's easy enough for them to have Michael B. Jordan show up in any other movie. They set it up great. I would. I mean, I would love to see it. They could do they could build out a whole Clancy verse, honestly, just do make another war movie, get another great lead on it, throw them all together, do a little MCU thing. (laughs) I think I think this I think it kind of has legs. I don't know how well this is going to do. I don't know how much money a free movie on Prime actually makes Amazon. But I mean, they could totally plot wise. It makes sense to build this out. Oh, for sure. I'm look, I'm happy for everyone to get the acting work. Happy these movies are being made. I won't be there to watch them. (laughs) Then we probably won't be talking about them here. Kevin, love doing this with you, man. feel like it's been a good week. You too, buddy. Yeah, this is fun. I I would encourage everybody, if you can, please go to Amazon. Give us five stars. Give us a little rating. I would love to read those on the pod. If you you leave a funny, exciting comment, something, I mean, do it. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, promote this thing. Uh, I'd love to get more, more, more ear holes on this thing. Hell yeah. This show also, of course, is a part of Mess Around Media. Follow us online uh, on Instagram. 
go to messaroundmedia.com. There's a Mess Around Media podcast coming out every single day of the week. So go check them out on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. They're there. Find them. Do it. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.